right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Lang Up Podcast. Solly here. You are going to hear, uh, first up, TC and I are going to do uh, an immediate reaction to one of the wilder days. I guess I should have seen this coming. I mean, all, all this stuff that was planned with with Live Golf. Uh, we're going to chat about it. We chat some about it with ZB on the back half of this. We have a full-length interview with Zach Blair talking about all the things going on in his life over the last several years, which are very interesting, but also wanted to ask him about you know what, what this all means for a current PGA Tour player. Uh, all the ongoings in the world of golf, but we got to have some fun on the front end as well, talking about the ridiculousness of these team names and everything else going on. So before we do that, this episode is brought to you by our friends at Whoop, the personalized digital fitness and health coach and official fitness wearable of the PGA and LPGA Tours. It helps you monitor your recovery, your sleep, your training, and your health with personalized recommendations and coaching feedback from Whoop. I actually don't even need the recommendations that much other than, you know, it'll tell you like, hey, your body's ready for strain today or hey, you are overdoing it today. I just love that it has helped me with my decision making. It is a Tuesday night. It's been a stressful day. I'd love to have a drink tonight, but you know what? I'm not going to do that because I know it costs me in sleep. I'm going to pay for it tomorrow. I see the actual data. My heart does not calm down overnight. It's just an example of great data that you get from this device. And the all-new waterproof device is free when you sign up for a Whoop 4.0 membership. For any members, if you have six months left of membership on your account, you can upgrade now and get the 4.0 for free. And right now, Whoop is offering 15% off when you use code NLU15 at checkout. So go to whoop.com, W-H-O-O-P.com, enter NLU15 at checkout to save 15%. Here is me and TC, and following that will be Zach Blair. I'm not calling it an emergency pod, but like I, I feel like this wasn't really planned, but I feel like we had to react to today. We had to do it to him. I, uh, yeah, we, we definitely don't want to dignify the Saudis' third leg, Greg, with, with the emergency label, but what an outrageous day that was. From start to finish, I'm I blame myself for not seeing it coming. Like it, it, this, just should have been, I guess, more on my radar. When I woke up, I already felt like I was behind with all the stuff. You know, this happening several time zones ahead of you know DJ. Gosh, it feels like feels like forever ago that DJ resigned his PGA Tour membership, but that happened today, along with a slew of other players and these team names and the draft and the captains and the oh my god, dude, the, the logos. That was today. How was that all today? It feels like a month ago now. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't even know where to start, right? It's, I mean, first and foremost, I think, like, I just have to acknowledge, like, A, by pointing out the absurdity of all this, we're not, you know, like, tacitly supporting what this <laughs> is, right? It's almost like we're, it's almost like, it's so bad, it's good at this point. But also, like, I just can't get away from the fact that, like, God, these, like, these people are so... I'm not sure if ineptitude is the right word or just like, there's just a lot of like weird shit going on. And there's just so like, yeah, I, I guess ineptitude is the right word. Like the PGA tour has gotten so lucky that these people are in charge of this and it's so ham fisted. Like, I guess they're going to do a draft like this every week. I guess that's what I don't understand what affiliation or affinity we're supposed to have for each of these teams. Like, are the teams going to change? I know the, the players on each team are going to change every week. Are the team names going to be up for grabs every week? Do they, you know, do they, or is it going to be, the, the, I mean, there's no way these, these team names have to stay the, the, like the way they are. Four aces, high flyers, punch, cliques. 
Ironhead, Smash, Crushers, Majestics, you gotta, Stinger. You gotta, you gotta read some of the some of the description. Oh my god! Fireballs, Niblix, Torque Golf Club, like the and then they sent a, a press release out that just like described like why they're named certain things like four aces. I thought like, all right, that's four of a kind, like for you know for. Like poker or something like that. It's like, no, it's a slang term for for golf's greatest magic trick, the hole in one. That's what they put in their press release for the four aces. What was your favorite description? Oh, uh, well, I like the one that you know they kind of tried to get cheeky and tried to match up Spio, and you know he's got Puig on his team as well, like the the fiery Spaniards, right? The fire the fireball. Team fireball. It's a fun and exciting identity which embodies golf at its wildest, and all for a team that will hope to be on fire this week like <laughs> this is the worst this is the worst of sports like this is it is just like it, it, man i i i saw the like seeing the images of phil sitting at that desk looking a little dead behind the eyes you know welcoming tk chanta nanawat uh up to his team and like consulting with justin harding as to who their last pick was going to be this is uh, 13 months after he beats Brooks Kepka, four-time major champion in the final round of the PGA. He's selecting his younger brother, Chase Kepka, with the last pick for the uh or his last pick for the Live Golf Invitational Series. Like this is just like beyond it's beyond movie script at this it's point. Parody. Yeah. I told KBV today, I was like, hey, like please because he, he he tweeted something, he's like, Hey, like this is not a joke. He put it in parentheses. I'm like, you need to do that for all your tweets. Cause yeah. that's like it's tough to decipher what's a joke and what's not a joke, um, and like so, I, I think you know there will probably be some people in the audience that are like, "Oh, like you guys are just giving this thing oxygen and everything like that." Like, be very clear. Like, I don't, I don't plan on like, like I'll watch a little bit of the golf, but like I don't plan on like taking this shit seriously or giving it any oxygen beyond like making fun of it, right? I mean, it's just it's it's laughable, and and like some of these teams are like themselves are just they're so bad. It's crazy. It's like very how bad. weighted some of the teams are. And uh, I'm with you in that the, the analogy I see going around and is like, should journalists only cover the wars that they agree with? Like, this is the biggest thing to happen in, I'm not going to say professional golf history, but like this is one of, the, of our time. This is the biggest thing that's ever happened. Like th we could be very well witnessing the complete collapse of the PGA Tour. If, you know, we talked on the back half of this with Zach Blair, we talked some about strength of field things and how things could come tumbling down very quickly and how honestly, man, like this seems like, you know, for as much as we're going to make fun of this, like this is the worst it's going to be. You know, we said this on Sunday it's the worst the field's going to be more is coming. Yeah. And this thing is going to like be, I, I, I have a feeling this is going to be like what the future of pro golf looks like. I really do. And it, it, uh, are we going to make fun of that yet? Does it suck? Yes. But like, yeah, I'm with you in that. Like, this is not like a serious golf product yet. Does it, could it possibly end up that way? Maybe, but like, man, is this just like a total, total yeah. shit show to this point? It feels like they're like, like it, it kind of feels like the slime cup or something, right? Like it just feels inherently unserious and, and uh, just, you know, like, and yeah, like even if they layer more, you know, better players in and all that, I still don't think it changes the tenor and the, the, you know, atmosphere around this thing feeling like just a total shit show you know i i gotta say i'm like decently impressed with like the presentation like the, the like 
I don't know where to go with that in terms of like the party like looked like a very big deal, very crowded room, and and wasn't like you know the the tech elements of it were were you know there and but we get we didn't get to see the stream of it, but it was like ah fuck man this this thing does feel very real now, and it's not easy to have put together a tournament like this in the time frame that they have and all of the logistics that go on behind that. Now look, is there plenty of stuff that like getting people's names wrong on all of the posts and things like that? Yeah, I, that's going to be easy to make. Yeah, fun of, it's but, like basic shit. I know. I mean, like, like it should feel somewhat coherent. The fact that they spent as much money as they have, right? And like the fact that they couldn't come up with better branding for the teams or better logos or you know just like televise the draft when that's one of your main main differentiators. I, I, it's just you know I, I don't know. I like I'm trying to stay level headed and like be serious on a certain level about it because it's you know it's, it's worth like talking about structurally and how this affects the tour and everything like that but at the end of the day too it's it, and it's just so jarring it's it's almost like dystopian to 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 watch all of this happen kind of as a sideshow today and then the pga tour just marches on on twitter or on instagram or on golf channel like nothing's going on and the rbc canadian open is going on and there's you know and granted there were a, t- a hell of a lot of withdrawals today and i'm not sure if that's just because it's a bunch of unvaxxed guys withdrawing or guys that are further down the priority list that like weren't planning on being there and, and their passports not up to date or something, but just a weird like juxtaposition, right. Of like the tour feels like they're, they're just going along with, and you know, I just don't know what Monahan like, like what's his counter to this at some point. Is it the punishments? Is that the next thing? Like they don't want to acknowledge it because then that'll be a sign of weakness. I, I don't know what, I, my understanding is that they're waiting for punishments until balls win in the air, like until the shots are played on Thursday. What is the play, though? I don't know what they – I mean, the play has was like 10 years ago changing this shit, right? Of course. like it, I don't know if there is like a play in yeah. Monaghan's playbook right now. I, I, I'm not looking at him right now as like, wow, dude, like what, what, why aren't you doing anything this week? It's, it's too late. Yeah, it's like you should have done something, you know – over the last 18 to 24 months while everybody knew this was coming down the pike or I mean, shit, like we've been talking about it. People have been asking us why we're talking about it. It's, it's been interesting to watch some golf media people who poo pooed it or made it, you know, made it like not a real threat. And now they're like, Oh my God, like, of course this is happening. This is, and it's like, it's, it's really interesting to see the shift in tone from people who are like, Oh my God, they got DJ. Well, this is a totally different thing. It's like, yeah. Like what, like what the fuck did you guys think was going to happen? Like they're, they're willing to spend like, four to eight billion dollars on this thing you know like at some point i just feel like monahan needs to step up to the plate and like like it just feels like the empty threats are it's it's like catalyzed membership against him yeah i don't know i i i i know he has to protect the membership and so i i don't know what you know what you know he said he's gonna ban people they're gonna leave i i, I struggle to find out like what 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 the play is though you know what i mean yeah, I just don't know, like, on the ban front, right? Like, what's the, like, I mean, even in the bylaws, it says, like, like these guys that are resigning, like, all right, they can resign and then sit out a year and take up membership again, and it's not in the bylaws. Like, they haven't broken any rules, technically. So they'd have to pass new rules. Um, yeah, and then, you know, if another wave of guys is going to go go and do this after the U.S. Open, go go for the Portland event, and then again, there's there's going to be another wave of guys that that leaves and does does it for the uh, you know after the FedEx Cup. Basically, they top themselves up 
get another year of service on the PGA Tour, count themselves up for the FedEx Cup, and then and then leave and do it. Um, you know, like we've heard, like 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 I'm wary of the the Brooks, the Brooks rumors sound. I don't. That doesn't sound. I mean, like I Brooks yeah. would make a ton of sense because he's like injured and and you know longevity, and it just seems like he's like a money guy. But also, like it doesn't like from everything I've heard, it sounds like he's out on this. And but it, you know Bryson, it sounds like he's in. I have to imagine Kokrak, Abe Answer, Varner, like those guys are coming down the pike, right? Bryson's is I, I threw that out there today, you know, expecting an announcement. I, I don't know when the announcement's going to come. That's the part I'm not a million percent confident in. But I got even after I tweeted that, I had two other people reach out like Bryson's 100 percent gone, like he's going. Which I mean, that's where I'm like backing up, dude. Like the DJ thing is like the DJ is the one that he's the pioneer in this. Like he's the one that burst this door down that like people are going to follow. And if he doesn't do it, I, I, I do doubt if that, if that door bursts, but now that it's, it's open, it's, it's, they're going to come flooding through here. I just heard right before we got on an absurd amount of money for a player that if I was to ask you to guess what the player was, it would take you on your 25th guess what it was for that person to come in. And it's just like, Oh my God, if they're throwing that around, dude, like, that there's no nothing to stop them. Like they are going to spend even more money than we've been talking about to this point, yeah. and uh, just totally wash out the sport. It's 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 embarrassing. Well, that's the thing. It's like, and it's not even about golf, right? It's just like golf's the pawn and all this, and then you know, or these players are the pawns or whatever. But like, if yeah, it feels like it's kind of. It felt like best and final offers were a week ago or two weeks ago. Like no, I feel like that's just starting now, right? Like these guys are starting to see the money in their eyes and all that but yeah dj made more money because he stuck because he stuck his neck out and did it you know i don't know it's just and then like ari fleischer coming in and being the press guy and i guess the ap you know the, the one of the ap reporters got thrown out of the press conference today it just it, it's insane man it, the whole thing's just like a, it's it's like a it's like a cartoon or like a circus Tough scene for Graham McDowell today too. A guy I've I've long been a fan of. Of just like, yeah, what happened there was you know with Khashoggi and the human rights. It's horrible, but I believe in the game of golf and the, and I'm happy to help them get there. Basically, of like like dude, you literally just like in in a minute and a half less than that like explained why you're here. Like I'm not a politician. I know you guys hate that phrase. It's like no, dude. Like you're a pawn for the politicians, and you saying. You're going to help Saudi Arabia get there is the role that they are paying you all this money to, to play. Like you are playing this game. You can't fall back on you're not a politician. And uh, that was just like the, the the textbook answer, man. And it just a lot of people are like, dude, how they've had so much time to come up with answers for for all of these questions and all this. And this is the best they come up with. It's like, dude, there isn't a good answer. There's never a good there's not a good answer for this human rights element. So I know a lot of people are really sick of hearing that side of it and they want to pull out all the hypocrites and what about us and stuff that relates to it. But like, if you just boil it down to, and just address this one, there is no good answer, no way to address it. And Phil is, by the time you're listening to this pod, Phil is going to be having his, uh, his presser, um, 9 AM local time, 4 AM Eastern time tomorrow. And, uh, I can't wait to see how he's able to spin it. Yeah, no. And I think just, from our standpoint too, and then like the USGA comes out with their, their statement today, basically leaves, you know, I, and I'm not sure if it's a, it's not necessarily a forward looking statement, but it's definitely, you know, this year's U S open and these guys aren't going to get banned. It's a, it's an open tournament. Right. And I think that's where, you know, I, I would anticipate the masters probably takes a firmer stance, but you 
you know, I just can't see like the RNA and the USGA banning guys or going and teeing it up in an event. Which I think is the right move, you know, and then that and I, then that starts to. I think that's the right move. I what do, do you too. think? I yeah, agree. it's yeah. this is a this is a PGA Tour versus Live thing. This is not, you know, in Mike Wan's statement. I assume that statement came from Mike Wan to say like we set our criteria like that that and people qualified based on it, right? It's they didn't break a USGA rule to not be in there. Like they should be able to play that. And as much as I'm not a fan of this thing, like that that one felt pretty slam dunk for me. Um, but yeah, I think from what we've heard, it sounds like Augusta may have a, a very different opinion of this thing. Yeah, like I guess Will it reached out and they were like, "Yeah, dude, like you won't even be allowed back on property." <laughs> so, <laughs> which that uh, might have just you know, been for Will it. I don't know if that's do. all Masters champions. That might have just true. been for him. Yeah, I mean, God, there's just so many like downstream things to talk about too. That you've got the we got the U.S. Open next week, where like that's going to turn into a total you know, clusterfuck as far as just media stuff and Mickelson coming back and, you know, Bryson, you know, all that stuff. Tiger's not playing the open, which, which I'm glad, you know, stay healthy for, you know, St. Andrews for the JP McManus pro of, of course as well. Um, but, uh, but like, you know, just, just from the fact too, of, of like, you know, just talking about this, like stripping away the human rights stuff, like this just isn't how I want golf to look. Right. Right. It just seems like, and, and like, there's not, like, there's not a way for, for these guys to like, that's what I don't understand for like, it makes, it actually makes more sense for a guy like DJ who's exempt into the majors from here on out for the next four or five years. It makes a hell of a lot less sense for like a guy like Taylor Gooch who's not. And like, what is, you know, like, he seems to be like kind of in that he's not making enough money to make it worth it. And he's not like, he doesn't have enough of a track record to get into all the majors because it's going to be like, you know, like if they're not, if, if, let's say they're getting super, super limited world ranking points for these events and for, you know, the Asian tour events that they're probably going to have to turn up at a couple times a year to, you know, fulfill their contract as well. Like it just doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of, of upside or, or connectivity that's going to allow these guys to like be a part of the larger ecosystem, unless this thing, you know, totally blows it up over the next three months and, you know, 20 guys end up jumping out of the top 50 and the, you know, the tour media contracts get totally nuked and CBS and NBC can basically renegotiate or walk away from the contracts. And then, and then it's total free for all in a sweepstakes. And at that point, like, like at some point, I think we're at, the juncture where like Monaghan has to start getting creative and start saying like, all right, like I've, I've overplayed my hand. I've misplayed this. This is a much bigger threat than we even anticipated. Uh, we got to talk to the PGL guys or we got to, I mean, shit, like the, the Rory thing with Cole, like uh, the hot mic on the range, he's like, Hey, like we got to figure out how to get some of that PGL money or some of that, you know, silver, like, like Egon Dermot money. Like, how, like how do we get that flowing into the PGA tour, create this equity and do all that? Like, because like the guys that are being punished the most by this are the guys that aren't leaving who are also drastically underpaid on the PGA tour. The the Roms and the Rory's and those guys that like they're the ones that that are bringing the juice and then you've got a guy like Kevin Na making an ungodly amount of money from the Saudis for like n- like nobody likes Kevin Na. Like the, his fellow like his peers don't like Kevin Na. Like fans don't like Kevin Na. It's 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 just it's no good. It sucks. Like the wrong guys are getting totally rewarded. It pisses me off. 
And it's like that's where I feel like Monahan's play of like I'm we're burying people that leave is like I'm, this is my protection for the guys that are staying right like I owe it to these guys that are that are sticking around in the ecosystem to like I uh, you know we can't let people have it both ways and that's it was a you know trying to do a stopgap and it's it's it doesn't seem to be enough to I also just think like man like it is such a ridiculous threat like this seemingly endless pile of money. That like it seems like almost anything they would have done couldn't have stopped it at the same time. Like I, I don't know if there was a way for him to have gotten Dustin Johnson two hundred million dollars or whatever DJ ended up getting or whatever Phil ended up getting. Like I don't think that there was a way for let's say Taylor Gooch made twenty million dollars. There was like not a way to get all of these people that much money to stop them from doing this. I think some of that's true, but also like it seems like the whole thing's been. It's not like they've showed a bunch of ideas or creativity. Like what like. What's the last thing that came out with that was creative? The pip, and that was almost more insulting for some of these guys than it was valuable, right? They're like, "Oh, you're gonna, all right, cool. Like, where was this money in the first place? Cool, you're gonna buy us off with this. You're pissing off the eleventh guy or the twelfth guy. More, you know, you're, like you're almost doing more harm than good with something like the pip, right? It's like a band aid, and I think that's that's the issue with the tour as well. Is like, it's been decades since Finch, since you know, well into Fincham's tenure of like just resting on their laurels and not evolving the product and not like growing the pie. Right. It's like, there's, you know, they're getting, they're extracting more from corporate partners for doing the same stuff. But at some point, like they're not, they're not structurally changing the tour. They haven't been like the TV product still sucks. The app is terrible. The, in like, I know they've told us that the app is like all this stuff contributes to the fan experience and the sponsor experience too. And like, I mean, shit, how do you feel if you're RBC this week? Oh, God. Like, how pissed would you be? You haven't had your tournament in two years, since 20, 2019, three years. And, and you know, two of your guys get nuked off the team. And then, you know, like, yeah, the field, like, you've got Rory and you've got, you know, a few other guys. But, like, on the flip side, like, they're going so far down the priority list. You have fucking John Houston getting into the event. It's insane. Hmm. You know, and it's like they're like the like the tour, even like even without this Saudi stuff, the tour is structurally broken. Yes, right. Like I don't like I think this is laying it all bare, and it's time for the tour to like not respond just with threats, but also respond with like raise your fucking hand and say, you know what, we have a problem here, and we're gonna address it instead of just throwing money. Like yeah, they're gonna have to throw a lot of money at the problem in the form of paying these players and making like what they're worth. And, and trying to counter that way, but they're also going to have to like structurally fix the issue as well. You know, and, and I'm not sure if they're capable of that. The only problem I have with what you said there is like have to pay them what they're worth when you're up against somebody who's paying them way more than what they're worth. Like it, it is such a, like it, it is such a ridiculous, you know, again, you're up against somebody whose league does not need to make business sense to the point that like, it's, it's, it's like funny money. It, it's, it's absolutely insane. They're just not going to be able to reach anywhere oh, totally. near those numbers. Yeah. I don't even think they need to. So like, I don't even think they need to meet those numbers though. Right. Like I think there's this simmering undercurrent that amongst guys that, that they're underpaid and that the tour is mismanaged and all that. And if that wasn't present and if the, you know, the dollars are never going to be equal, but the fact that that simmering undercurrent is there is part of the problem, right. Where it, it makes it to where somebody's more willing to completely nuke shit and jump it the opportunity to make that much money instead of saying you know what that's a lot of money but i'm i'm set here and i feel like they're doing a good job and this is this is my home like it just makes that conversation or that justification 
that much easier yeah. you know i mean and also like it just seems like with some of these guys like the schedule i mean shit because like even like some of it comes down to schedule for some of these guys they'll play 12 times a year and make more money than they were before even without the appearance fees or the the upfront money you know a guy with a young family like that's that's something to where like the, these same guys have been telling monahan for years like you do the schedule's a fucking mess like we have too many tournaments you make us play like you make us feel like we have to play year round we never get time off we're chasing our tail on that front the tour hasn't done anything about it and they've intimated hey we're going to make big wholesale changes to the fall like all right cool like show show us your work you know but and and make it so it's not just a bunch of shitty wgc style solutions you know yeah i think yeah it goes back to it just being structurally broken because the less tournaments you have the more guys are going to want to go play european tour and other events and asian tour and and big money events so you got to stand up an event to say like no no you remember this tour and we have an event this weekend you got to go play here it's just it is a mess and it maybe it maybe it maybe this you know is a great thing that you know it has to come all the way down to get built back up but man it, it just it feels like it's just more likely that they're going to uh, make another poor decision at the end of this and and it's not going to come back up but i don't even care like for us that, that have been calling us the, the pga tour dick riders i don't really i don't care if it's the pga tour that ends up on the other side of this i just want an entertaining golf product i don't care if it's pgl i would prefer it not to be funded by a regime like this have it be focused on the f- actual fan experience but uh it, it it's this is not this ain't it it's this is this is going from one bad option to like a worse option yeah. And then, you know, just on that note too, like, I think it's, you know, it comes down to like, all right, like what, like, like how, how better could the PGA tour operate? Is that partnering with PGL? Is that, you know, doing more with the European tour? Cause I think it like, this is just the tip of the iceberg. If these lawsuits go the way that we're thinking, these bans get struck down, the Saudis are an issue, but so are like, there's going to be other shit that pops up too. This is like, you know, guys will go play Saudi stuff, but you know what, let's say the Australian open says, you know what, we're going to play, we're going to play the same week as Kapalua every year. And we're going to make this a $15 million purse or $20 million purse. And you know what, come over here and play. And there's nothing stopping those guys from going over and playing and skipping Kapalua or something like that. Like, you know, just, or the mat, like different matches or different exhibitions. Like it, it totally nukes the tour, you know, their entire business model. So it could be good. Uh, yeah. I just, yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah, and then God, I'm trying to think what else we're missing here. Well, Phil interview came out with uh, Bob Herrig talking about the gambling issues and uh, his his take on sports washing as well. I, I encourage you to read that. I don't I don't really even feel the need to discuss it that much. We'll probably discuss it at the end of this week. But um, yeah, it's we're not we're not we're just getting started. Um, but felt like there was this will feel like old news by the time we get to our Sunday recap. So figure we needed to needed to tackle it now. We might need to go to a daily show, man. We're getting pretty close. Yeah, I was just going to say props to the fried egg guys for getting – they've got some sort of deep throat <laughs> scoop or source uh, inside of Live Golf there that's feeding all sorts of – I mean, that's the other thing. Like the talking points that they're that they're coming up with and the stuff that they're providing these players, like it's pretty like elementary school shit. I mean, it's, it's not, you know, it's not rocket science stuff. Yeah. Between that and the graphics and all that, I'm just like – man, like the Saudis, like just from like, just, I'm just leveling with you. Like you guys should be getting more for your money here. You know, I, I, are, I assume you're going to join me in, in being a big supporter of team smash with Siwon Kim, Scott Vincent, Jinichiro, Kazuma, and Itipitat, Burana, Tan, Tanara, Yaret. 
I know that's your squad, man, and I, you know, I respect it. But I'm a, I'm, I'm Crusher's GC. Okay. Peter Uline's squad. He pulled off a trade today. That's wild. About, you know, I love that there was there was no considerations in the trade. It was just like, all right, we decided afterwards to swap players. I'm wondering if somebody for Liv got involved and said, for some reason, we need to switch this up. But, anyways, we'll we'll see. Phil will probably give us a lot more tomorrow to talk about and. Uh, Without any uh, further delay, we'll th- we're going to check in with our friends at Original Penguin and send it to ZB. Before we turn it over to ZB here, a quick shout out to our friends at Original Penguin. You've seen us wear their stuff in so many of our videos. I'm wearing my favorite blue hoodie right now. I can't believe somehow this thing has lasted me two, over two years now. I still see pictures pop up on my time hop of me wearing the same exact shirt. I should probably go on there, go to OriginalPenguin.com and buy some new stuff. A couple things. In advance of Father's Day, you should head to OriginalPenguin.com. Check out all the tremendous offers they have. They have a Father's Day polo event that you can shop right now. As previously mentioned, they got tons of hoodies. They got shorts. They got gym shorts. They got boxers. They got socks. They got... Uh, short sleeve button down polos. They got long sleeve button downs. They got jeans. They got all kinds of different pants. I love wearing original penguin. I am way overdue to freshen up my golf look. Uh, I need some more golf shorts because I absolutely wear these things out. They've lasted a very long time, but uh, I cannot say enough great things about original penguin. They, they got clothes for women. They got specialty golf clothes and they got clothes you can wear on the golf course and off the golf course. So head to originalpenguin.com. Also keep an eye out. Cam Smith will be sporting two new prints at the U S open, including a lemonade print and an octopus print. I have a feeling Neil is going to be way in on that one. Originalpenguin.com. Let's get to Zach Blair. ZB, it has been a while, my friend. What have you been up to? Nothing. Just living life. Kind of live. You, know. you started with live, living life. <laughs> oh man. What a wild, wild couple of days. Definitely. You know, a lot, a lot of stuff coming out today. It's been crazy. We got a lot to talk uh, to you about with you about, man, this has been a very long day. We're recording this on Tuesday of, uh, of the first live event. How, how closely would you say you've, you've followed this whole situation? Not very closely, but it's definitely been fun to, you know, throw the chair out and grab some popcorn the last couple of weeks for sure. I mean, there, it was obviously like in the news, you know, leading up and kind of around that time, the whole like Phil bomb dropped, you know, basically around what was it like Riviera or whatever. And it seemed like back then they had, you know, a decent group of people that were kind of ready to jump over. And then that whole thing happened and it seemed like everybody, you know, quickly aborted. So I, I followed it very, you know, not, not closely, but uh, had my eye on it here and there. Based solely on the team names, which, which live team would you would you want to be on? I mean, Fireballs. Like, Fireballs, your team yeah, Fireballs. The, the, the logo is so good. Everyone was making fun of it, and I was kind of like, oh, I kind of like that one, actually. It's, it's so bad. You know, it's it's kind of bad enough and, like, retro enough that it's, like, like 90s, you know, like, minor league baseball team or something. You, you know, it was – it was crazy. Like some of those are so bad and it's, you know, I, I saw somebody say it. it's like anything they would have come out with. Everyone would have been, you know, piling on pretty good, but at the same time, like, whoa, like they, uh, <laughs> they didn't I mean, kill I mean, it. They did not crush yeah, it. They, they did not crush it. As somebody <laughs> who is a logo nut, if I may say that I was very, very excited to, to chat with you about, about, uh, this looks, this looks like clip art to me. I mean, I, I really think, that if you gave me a full day and I don't know how to do any graphics, I could come up with things that were, I could come up with 12 of these that were better than this. 
I mean, it definitely like was bad. And just the names themselves, like, you know, 90% of them were like so bad. Like, what are you doing? I would have just rather them spin like the captain's names, you know, or like whatever. Like, I mean, again, it was like anything was going to be bad. I think anything was going to be easy to make fun of, but they definitely didn't help themselves with uh, in the logo department or the name department. Do you think that there's a whole nother wave of guys that will be, you know, in Portland, uh, you know, they had this field that a lot of people are making fun of ourselves included. Uh, what are you expecting the, the, the Portland field to be like? You know, it's funny because the the field, when I saw it, everyone was making fun of it. Everyone was talking about how bad it was. And I was kind of looking at it like it's not quite as bad as I thought it was going to be. You know, it it does have like a decent amount of like recognizable big-ish names, um, maybe more of them like on the European side. But like, you know, there's some players that are still pretty good, obviously. But I do kind of have the, you know, feeling that there's definitely a pretty big group of people probably just kind of sitting back in the bushes, waiting to see exactly what's going to happen on Thursday, right? Does the tour come out and put all these things in place? There's obviously the world ranking points, the situation with are they going to be able to play in, in a lot of these majors, you know, past this year and, and that whole sort of thing. So I think once that stuff gets cleared up, you'll probably see a lot more guys, you know, giving it a try. But I do think there's kind of another little, a few more aces up the sleeve possibly for uh, Portland. What does this all mean for you, for somebody that's that's not playing the league? You know, what, what you know, are you worried about the the PGA Tour, the future of the PGA Tour? I mean, I think you're always going to have the PGA Tour. Um, they're probably going to have to, you know, sit back and kind of rethink the the strategy and, you know, kind of see where they might have messed up, if you will, or, you know, how they can do better. And, you know, DJ said it the other day to me pretty, you know, like it, it seemed so bulletproof for so long until something like this happened. And now it's kind of like, holy cow, there, there's probably, you know, there's a lot of problems with it that people are kind of pointing out or seeing so um i do think you know the pga tour is not going anywhere but this kind of has probably opened them up to some um things that they need to address and do better and just to clarify it's dj pie not dustin johnson who uh who who, who told you that but i, yeah, I guess DJ Pye. <laughs> where, I'm, where i'm coming from on that is there is you don't know that you don't yeah, know that. that's true <laughs> There is this uh, strength of field clause in some of these contracts that, you know, a lot of what the tour has pulled out over recent years in terms of maybe being able to increase money, you know, blah, 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 PIP and play, you know, play 15, all these things and players purse going up, FedEx cut money going up, all these things seem contingent on like the, like the stars not leaving the sport. And if this kind of, uh, you know, if the floodgates really open here and more guys leave, it uh, it does seem like it can fall apart. This is this is the thing that held up TV negotiations when they went through before this. They signed that massive contract, and man, it just feels like it kind of feels like the before part in a movie. Not, to the, to get to this point feels totally ridiculous. Like I w would not have imagined we would have got to this point, but here we are. So like now, nothing feels like it would be ridiculous after this. Am I am I onto anything with that? Are you are you familiar with any of that? Yeah, I mean, it just seems like they have a lot of horses that are really in their corner, like big, big names. You know, it really feels like, you know, Justin Thomas and Rory McIlroy and 
John Rahm and, you know, Colin Morikawa. Like, it just seems like they have, they have a lot of people that are big, big names, recognizable, like young stars that are kind of going to bat for him. So uh, it might be a situation where there is like a big divide and, you know, some other pretty recognizable people and good players, uh, you know, jump ship and do that. But I do think they, they really have a pretty strong stable of people that, um, you know, are going to stick around obviously. And uh, it, it seems like they'll be able to obviously fill fields and, you know, provide a product, even if they kind of have to go back and rethink some things and, and, you know, tweak some stuff with the whole model. But I I think they'll be all right. Yeah. I'm not worried about being able to fill fields, although they're having some issues this week. You know, I think John (laughs) Houston just got into the field, but I just, I, man, I've never understood. I've never understood like why they can't just go short. You know, it's just like, yeah, man, we've gotten to the point where this is getting ridiculous. Let's just play it. Like, 120 you know or like whatever it may be it's like let's just cut it off but um that that's kind of like again like one of the things that there's a lot of things that they should address and should fix maybe this is the opportunity to do it i may have the detail of this wrong but i believe at least a component of executive pay is based on the number of playing opportunities provided over the course of a year so i would imagine that being a reason why they uh you know would want to to fill fields as much as possible but I, I I don't know that for a fact, but uh, that is this heard something along those lines. But I guess, like I said, I'm not as worried about filling the fields as I am. Like the money source, if that changes, you know, yeah. if, if that changes, then does the whole, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to the PGA Tour being blown up in a totally new model. You know, I have heard from people close to the situation and say everything is on the table. But I just thought that'd be interesting to talk with somebody who is, uh, you know, is whose livelihood depends on this, if they have an opinion on it or are hearing things or, uh, you know, what, how they see it unfolding. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you kind of nailed it, uh, you know, definitely something to be worried about, but I think that they could restructure it and figure it out, whether it be changing the model or, or whatever. Um, I think they would figure something out to work for the money source. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not worried about, it. I'm, I'm kind of sitting back, like kind of thankful that I'm not quite playing yet. <laughs> so, so I can kind of see what happens and it's been pretty entertaining the last you know week or two. So it's kind of a wait and see situation. Well, let's talk about that. If for, you know, for people that maybe aren't familiar with you or you haven't been on the podcast in a long time, but they say, well, what Zach Blair, I haven't seen his name on a leaderboard in a long time. Why are they talking to him? <laughs> Where, where's ZB been? What's, what's going on with you health wise? Yeah, so I had shoulder surgery like at the end of 2020, I think. So it was kind of right, you know, right before the start of the Sony Open, I guess. Like uh, I, I withdrew or or missed the cut in Vegas and then came home and had my shoulder looked at and I had a couple of tears in my right labrum. So got that fixed and repaired and had surgery on it uh, at the end of 2020 and just kind of been you know, getting, getting back healthy. And then I had some problems with my left rotator cuff and, you know, in my left shoulder. So it's been kind of a, you know, a battle getting healthy again, but definitely feel like it's close to where I need it to be. And it was really fun, you know, playing yesterday for the first time in basically like a couple of years, you know, teeing it up and counting all the strokes and not having any mulligans or gimmies or you know holes where it didn't really matter so it was fun getting kind of back into the swing of things and looking forward to 
picking back up later this fall. I have like 25 starts or something like that on a major medical. So, you know, basically a full year to, to go out and play good. Where were, uh, for those that aren't familiar, where were you, uh, where were you playing yesterday and, uh, and how did that go? I was at uh, U.S. Open sectionals up in Springfield, Ohio, at Springfield Country Club. I shot three over. I shot three over and even. I played like I felt like I played a lot better than I scored. You know, it was kind of again one of those things. Hadn't played a you know a real meaningful round in in a year and a half or so. Like where I actually had to make like you know three footers and tap ins and you know like I said counting all the strokes. So. I definitely went into it, you know, basically like a free roll, right? I was exempt into sectionals because of, you know, being inside the top whatever, you know, in the past five years. So I, I kind of looked at it like, look, might as well go play, kind of see how the game is um, leading into, you know, maybe some of these rehab starts on the Corn Ferry Tour later this summer and definitely left, you know, extremely, you know, you know, positive, like, okay, I still got it. I can, I can still go out there and compete and, and play with these guys. So that was fun. But I, I think like four under, three under or four under ended up making it. So, you know, it's not like I was one or two shots off, but definitely it was kind of one of those things where it was, it was closer than it appeared. That's kind of how I'll put it. Hmm. So how's that work with, uh, you know, coming off a major medical, how do you, game plan out how you want to come back you said rehab starts on the corn Ferry tour do those count in your 25 starts or how do you you know is are you better off timing it up with the start of the new season uh how, how does all of that work and what are you in control of and what are you not in control of honestly i'm i'm like a little gray in all of this stuff too i'm kind of just like i just i'll just go do it and play good and you know worry about it later but so i have 25 starts i think and then i have four or five corn fairy tour rehab starts um, that don't count against, you know, the, the tour starts. So they basically give you, you know, like some warm up events, right. To kind of you know, like I played yesterday, that one didn't count as one, but you know, to kind of go out there post injury, like post recovery and basically see if you can, you know, compete at the level that you're going to need to compete at, you know, for the, for the season. My plan was always to um, like come back in the middle of this year, like kind of right now on the tour. So I was going to use some of those corn fairy tour rehab starts, like, you know, in the like previous couple of months after talking to everybody, they were kind of like, you definitely want to start like at the start of a season um, for whatever reason. I don't really know. I don't really know why. I just know that I have to go make X amount of points to, you know, keep my tour card. So, yeah, that's where it always confuses me, right? It's like you have, you know, if you split your starts between the two years, are you, you know, uh, how do the, you know, you're trying to accumulate a certain amount of points, right? Or are you just yeah. trying to get 125, you know, be in the top 125 anyways to keep your card? Or you need a certain amount of points based on a prorated number or something like that? So they take the, you know, they take the points from my year that whatever it was that when I, when I stopped playing. So that was the, the 2020, 2021 season. So they take whatever the top 125 was that year, say it was 500 points, even though it, you know, it probably wasn't, but say it was 500 points. That's how many points I have to get 
um, I played three events, I want to say, and I had like three points. I made like one cut in like, uh, you know, I don't know where it was, but so I, I have to make 497 points in my 25 events. Um, now the, the one thing that I don't know, so if you split it up, you know, if I was to start this fall and then play 12 events this year in the 2021, 22 season, and then play 12 events in the next season, I don't, you, you know, you can't, you're only running against one total where I don't know if, if you start in the, the fall, like I'm going to, I don't, don't know if all be running against two point totals right like because yeah. i'm playing that full year next year so i don't know i don't know how it all works really i just know like i gotta go play you know play good and uh make enough points <laughs> you're almost better off not knowing exactly what you need to do or whatnot just going playing golf and if you've got a big runway that's got to make it uh so much easier here about guys you know they have three starts left and they got to go pick their courses yeah, and yeah. things like that man that would exactly be so much pressure when you go tee it up but uh yeah mine's like mine's like basically a full season coming off the web but i also have the ability to pick you know anywhere i want to go that year so i can get into some of those bigger events you know like waste management or you know some of the events that the guys coming out of the corn fairy category like maybe wouldn't get into i can go play those events but at the same time that's about how many events that somebody coming off the corn fairy you know tour would play in in a season so it's not like it's it's not doable right it's the same thing you just got to go play good and it's basically like a full season so look definitely looking forward to it it's it's uh you know i love competing so what's it like being away from the game just in general i mean you are one of the most psycho golfers i know not including <laughs> your professional career which is absurd like i think you play more fun rounds of golf than anybody else I know on top of trying to play professionally. What's, you know, what's it been like to not be able to do that? So I had surgery in the fall of 2020 and I didn't play for like seven months, like didn't even pick up a club for seven months. So that was the first time, you know, in my life that I can remember, you know, not playing golf almost every day. And then once I was able to golf again, I, I definitely, it's not like I just went out there and started playing every day. I bet I've played like under 35 or 40 rounds in like two years. You know, I used to play 35 rounds a month, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yes. So, so it's, it's definitely been like very interesting and very new. I've had a lot of things happen in that time period. Right. I had a couple of kids. I've, I've been, you know, had had the project in South Carolina going on. So it, I've had a ton of things, you know, taking up my time. And, you know, it's been really cool spending it with the family. And it's been such a different lifestyle, just being able to be at home and not traveling every day of every week and going from hotel to hotel and city to city, that it's been really, really cool. And it's, it's honestly um just how it worked out. And then on top of that, I had like COVID right before that whole thing where the tour was stopped. So, so really I've almost had like three years of like living a normal life where I got like where I'm, I'm at home, like most of the time. So it's been, you know, it's been cool for sure, but definitely looking forward to getting back out and playing golf. I love how casual that was. You had a couple kids, you know, here in this time. <laughs> very just thrown in there. What's a, what's dad life like? 
Well, it's great, man. It's uh, it's wild. We've got two little boys. One of them's just a couple months old, and then uh, CB's, you know, about almost two. So it's great. It's been really cool, and you know, bless bless my wife. She's you know got her hands full with three boys in the house and a couple of dogs. She's you know just fighting for her life every day, trying to survive. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the last time I saw you when that was. I feel like I used to see you about once a month, and I'm realizing it's been. It's got to be years, huh? I mean, a long time, man. That's I mean, insane. literally, I I would I would probably I honestly think it might have been the Corn Ferry Finals at Atlantic Beach. Like, I think Jesus. I mean, it's at least three and a half years ago, right? I mean, it's a long time. Ringer three, maybe. Been, I think I think I maybe that may be the last time that was. Yeah, well, that's that's insane. But uh, it seems like you've had you've had a, a few other things going on. Um, you know that we haven't talked about yet. Somehow, uh, in your in your professional golf life, that doesn't mean playing professional golf, but as a professional golf course architect. So I, I think the last time we you know we have not had you on since the tree farm even began kind of came into existence. But we've talked to you. A lot about the Buck Club. I want to go back, backing way up. Uh, take us through that timeline and how you ended up, you know, moving on from that name, that project in Utah. What that means for the future for that one, and how we end up with the Tree Farm. Yeah, so really, this was all kind of in that COVID timeline of 2019 or whatever. I'd been trying to do TBC for you know four, five, six years. Um, at least in Utah, you know, trying to build a destination golf club in my home state, just thought it would be a really cool place for people that love, love golf and thought we could, you know, bring something to the space. Yeah. Like I said, tried to do it for a while. Um, and there's, there's just so many kind of like roadblocks and things that are just tougher than people might think, especially like as someone that's, you know, not a millionaire or billionaire or somebody that can just finance the whole thing on their own. You know, there are a lot of things that have to kind of fall in place for it to work. And it just seemed like every turn, it was kind of like an uphill battle. So really was still always trying to pursue that. And during COVID, I can like vividly remember I was in my living room, sitting on the couch, everything was shut down, you know, no sports going on. The PJ tour was stopped and I was just kind of like, man, I got to find a property to build TBC. So I just started looking all over the place, not just in Utah, because the property is just so expensive out here. I had had a friend mention to me how cool, you know, Aiken, South Carolina was and how there was a bunch of land that looked pretty cool and sandy soils and how they loved golf out there. So I had started looking in that kind of Southeast United States region, you know, around then or a little before. And I had had a couple of properties that looked pretty cool, but I'd never gone out there. Right. Like it, it was just too busy playing golf, um, you know, to kind of go do that. And like I said, during COVID, I was sitting on the couch and I was like, we got to find a property. So there was this one that I had looked at a lot and it was for sale. And I convinced like two or three friends to like hop on a plane you know, mid pandemic, like talking nobody in the airport type travel. It was pretty crazy. Um, and went out, flew into Atlanta, drove out to Aiken and looked at this piece of property and was like, man, this is, this is pretty sweet. Um, like we should, you know, if we could get this, we could definitely build TBC out here and it'd be really cool. 
uh, ended up buying the property with, you know, a small group of buddies. It was kind of a weird position that we were in because it's like, is this TBC? Is this a new project? And didn't really know and kind of went back and forth on it for a while. And after talking to some people, you know, who I trust and kind of uh, respect their opinions, it, it was kind of like, I think this has to be a new project. Uh, one of the reasons was I still wanted to do something in Utah. There had been so much support for like the vision of what I was trying to do and and the whole idea of the Buck Club had kind of like evolved and shifted over the years from being a destination private club to shifting more to being, you know, a Sweetens Cove style nine hole public course, or maybe maybe it was 18 holes, but definitely like more in the public space. Um, and I wanted to do that in Utah and, and I wanted to still give the people the opportunity that had supported the brand and bought the merch and kind of like bought into this whole idea you know, still something to kind of like, this is still going to happen. Like, I want to do this. So we eventually, you know, decided that this was a new project in South Carolina. And, uh, you know, that's how the tree farm happened. And now we're, now we're kind of like, you know, finished shaping with it and grassing it and, you know, should be kind of done later this year, which is pretty cool. No, we're not getting away that easy. We got there's a lot of details along the way we got to talk about. Yeah, it should be cool. All right, cool, man. Yeah, have a good, have a good. One. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate that. So, I, I want to know, like, detail wise, though. You know, looking at that site in Utah, you had a site, you had a routing, you had, you know, I think that the routing plan is still hung up in the, uh, in in the garage in the kill house, and a, you know, a bunch of people had gone out to see it and came back raving about how amazing that site was. You know, I think some of the, the questions a lot of people had was, hey, is this the right soil? Is this the right climate? You know, how many months a year can this course be played at? Kind of are, are those kind of the questions that ended up kind of, you know, you know, ending that kind of pursuit for that particular site or that project? Or what, what were the challenges that you mentioned? Yeah, yeah. So that, that was a lot of it. You know, when I really started getting into the nuts and bolts of, you know, developing a golf course, a, it was like the, the people who we were going to buy the property from seemed very willing to play ball kind of like early on. And then eventually, like when it got time to like strike the deal and do it, it, it was like everything completely changed. Whether it was they had seen the, the traction for the project and they had seen the support, you know, it was definitely like, you know, the, the price kept going up. And it was, you know, again, I'm not... I'm not somebody that could do the whole thing myself. So, you know, we were kind of bootstrapping it on the, on a tight budget and um, that whole sort of thing. So that was kind of like number one where, where the land was just kind of like at a stalemate and we couldn't figure out, you know, how to, how to do it or get it done. And then, you know, when you got into the construction side of it, that was another um, big obstacle where it was, you know, having to bring in a bunch of materials like, you know, sand cap in the fairways. And, um, you know, it was going to require a lot of moving earth, which I feel like we definitely could have done. But the more I kind of learned about the whole process, it seemed like, man, wouldn't it be better to like not have to do that? like all of that stuff and wouldn't it be cheaper and wouldn't it be, you know, like everything was just, you know, adding to the man, maybe this isn't right. And then a big one was, you know, the seasonality of Utah 
the more I had talked to people, the more I learned about that aspect as well was like, it's way harder to bring people to your place, like out of good weather. Right. So it's like, you're going to have these good months in like April, May, June, July, August, maybe like September in Utah, but that's when it's good, like everywhere else. Right. And so like, why is like, why does Solly want to come here when it's like good weather there, right? It it seemed like it's way easier to get somebody like out of Ohio or out of New York when it's shitty and like raining and snowing and get them to like somewhere where it's 60 degrees, like South Carolina. Um, So those were all like, all of those things kind of played into this huge decision of like, do we really want to roll the dice and see if we can do this here right now? And again, that was like pre- anything being done right i've never developed a golf course i've never you know done a project of this magnitude at all and if it failed and didn't get off the ground even it was like dream shot completely dead in the water and i felt very very confident after seeing the south carolina site like okay this could be a really really good opportunity and that was a thing that it was frustrating you know from from my perspective, because like you can't explain that in 42 characters on Twitter. Right. (laughs) And, and, you know, people are just like, just absolutely killing me for like a couple of years about the whole thing. And it was like, yeah, man, like I get, I get everything you guys are saying. And if I could sit in a room with that person and explain to them for 20 minutes or 30 minutes, I feel like they would have definitely like understood where I was coming from. But, you know, you don't have that luxury all the time. And, you know, I, I eventually had to learn, like, okay, th- th- this is never going to, like, work on this platform to, um, you know, like, get into it with all of these people. And I was very sensitive, you know, like, about the whole about the whole thing because it was very close to me and it was something that I believed in and still believe in and still want to do. But I'm very happy with kind of how it all turned out and, and definitely – feel like it is a springboard with what we're doing at the tree farm to be able to do something very, very cool and, and, and unique and awesome in Utah. If, if there's anything I've learned from this job, it's like, it is amazing how there's a couple issues, couple things that like the gap between how I see people react online and like the vibe I get from either talking to the person involved in this that how wide that gap can be as far as like vibe and like how, um, I don't know how to say it in terms of like intentions and desire and goals and, um, willing to work at it and, and things like that. It was, uh, it was it, all that considering I still was like internally putting like the chances of that project, like happening without, uh, you know, all the things that have to go right, which I'm sure you're still learning and the things that have to go right to, you know, get something across the line. The chances of like succeeding there were low. Like it's just unlikely, but it was an incredibly th- fun thing to support and talk about and wear the merch and be a part of that community. Like absolutely this like PGA Tour Pro in his 20s is trying to like build. I think you're in your 20s when you started like is trying to build a golf course in Utah like that. Like, people do not do that in the middle of their professional golf career. There might, you know, there might be some learning steps along the way. But is this a fun ride? It absolutely is. And uh and I'm wondering, yeah, I was wondering what you felt like, you know, from the community, like this incredible community that built up around this, your, all the merchandise you've sold and the, you know, the, that that 
community ever diminished at a certain point? Has it strengthened? Uh, you know, as time has gone on, where, where where do you where do you stand with that? I like I definitely felt that as I'm sure like the people that did like turn their back on it or however you want to put it, like I'm sure they felt like that for me too, right? There's so many supporters out there, but the negativity or like the negative comments or the people that were, you know, just did not think that it was the right thing or however you want to put it, like the haters, definitely their voice was the one that would always show up, right? There there would be hundreds of people messaging me like privately, yeah. right? They would be like, oh, like, this is awesome. I still support you. But then like people would see, you know, the really negative remarks on Twitter or something like that, where it's like, like I said, like it was very personal to me. So it was like really upsetting to see some of that stuff because it was like, man, like all I was trying to do was like build a really cool place. And like these people thought that like I was going to build it by selling hats. Right. It was like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. you know, like, hey, man, like, I think you're missing like a couple of digits there, which it's like, man, if I could have sold, a, you know, 10 million hats and got it started, I would have absolutely done that because that's what I was trying to do was, like I said, bootstrap a project and make something cool for people that love golf. That was literally like the only goal in the entire project was to do that. And, you know, like I said, there was tons of people that were supportive. There still are, you know, tons and tons of people that uh, are great. And, and we, I feel like we still have a really nice following and, you know, people seem to love the merch. And, and that's, again, kind of like the only reason we started selling merch was because we were making merch for me and my friends and people were like, how do I get some? And it was like, you know, for a while we were just like giving it away. And then it was like to the point where it was like, crap, we can't keep giving it away because like we're in the hole at this point and we're trying, you know, like we're, we're trying to, you know, you know, make ends meet and get by to try and do this cool project. So we started selling it and people thought like, you know, like I can remember people being like, well, you know, where did the money go that, you know, that from my hat that, that I bought or like my head cover, like I should get like a round of golf. And I was like, yeah, man, like, it's not like we were selling you this idea and you, you sent in 50 bucks and like, didn't get anything in return. Right. And, and I get like, you know, I, I totally understood like how people could get to some of those ideas and the narrative behind it. But at the same time, it was like, we weren't slinging like fake, fake tea times at this place right it was like you were buying head covers and hats and stuff that i thought was cool that's why i was making it um and that's why i continue to make it because people still um you know talk to us and tell us they like it and uh i do it because you know we're like we've done a lot of head covers lately because that's something that i've always collected and i've always liked to do and you know the supply chain issues that's one thing that's remained you know uh, accessible for us to keep doing. And it's been fun doing that the last couple of years. It's definitely been a wild ride. And, you know, I've, I've, I've tried to say like, sorry to so many people, like, sorry, I let you down on the whole thing, but like, we're still trying to do it. And I still 100% believe that like in the, in the near future, like we're definitely going to get something going. So hmm. it's been fun. 
Some of the best advice I think I've ever received was um, making sure you know internally to yourself whose feedback you care about. Because otherwise you can get drawn into uh, like exactly what you said, like 100 people can praise you and like the negative comments will be what you think about when you go to bed. And it's like, well, what, what the hell am I doing? Like trying to please that person, right? Like let's focus on the people that, you know, are supportive or uh, I, I can please or have a feasible way of pleasing. Like that's a much clearer North Star uh, through, you know, I don't know, doing anything in the public domain. That, that's, that's helped me a lot because I know exactly what you're talking about with just feeling like, oh, shit, I can't like like the Twitter pylons, like you can't stop yeah. them and you can't explain yeah. it. And the more you explain it, the worse you make it because it's probably actually exactly. people that are decently good at debating or finding a hole in one <laughs> little thing you said. Yeah. And here it goes just on repeat forever. And it's, it's, it's a yeah. weird. No, place. it's definitely, it's definitely, you know, it's harder than you just described it though. Right. Oh, you're for like, sure. You know, you're just like every, every little negative comment about it was just like, you know, you know, you try and explain it a little. And exactly like you said, it's like, Every time you go to explain it, there's another little thing that gets pecked at until you're just like, eh, like I can't do it. Like I can't, I can't even, I right. can't even talk about it because because the reality is, ninety nine percent of those people that are saying anything have like zero clue all it takes to develop a golf course. Right? right. It's like it's a lot harder than people think. And then on top of that, people almost 100% of the time, at least before the last couple of years had only seen a finished product, right? It's like, they didn't know how long, you know, sand Hills was in the making or, you know, some of these even like band and dune projects, like what, you know, whatever. And those were like millionaires and billionaires, you know, funding those things, not some like 20 year old kid, who had never done it before. So it was, I think you know, Kaiser was, bought like first went to Bandon in 89 and the play it opened for play in 99. Is that right? Something like that. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. You know, so it was like, I had always tried and was in, and was trying and still try to give people um, kind of like a look into what it takes and what was going on. And, and again, like the whole goal was to just bring something cool to the space and, you know, hopefully people could be around for the ride and kind of enjoy it. And unfortunately, like it's social media, how for how good it is and for like it's such a cool tool and a, a unique platform to do that stuff. It's also a very yeah. um, powerful platform to do other things kind of in a negative way and kind of get into that whole tailspin of, of, of that side of it hundred million percent it's like yeah it's how both of us are talking here is through because of social media we would have not you know yeah. i wouldn't have this job and you know it it and uh yet at the same time it can it can really bring you down at times but um so but the good side of it you know to end that whole thing it's been like a, a, an amazing thing and and still like so many of the people that are involved with tbc or the tree farm or both like i met via social media right, right. Like, it's amazing. Like, that, that's like a very cool thing. Yeah, no, it, uh, it it's funny. It's like, like I'd say how we've kind of lost touch. I haven't, you know, it, this, this whole like tree farm thing seems so um, foreign to me. Like, it seems like so, <laughs> you know, I see the pictures and all this and it's just like, it's unbelievable. Like, I can't believe 
you know, I, I shouldn't say I can't believe that you're capable of this. That's not what I mean. But I'm like, holy shit, this dude's about to build like something that is seems to be from T- TC has been up there. He came back absolutely raving about it. And from the pictures I've seen a golf course that's unique, unique to the landscape, uh, the people that you've got involved working on it, you know, it seems like you learned enough in the project that didn't work out without having to, you know, learn it the hardest way, like building it actually, then learning. Yeah. You learned a yeah. ton that you're able to implement in almost round two without even actually having to go through round one. That seems to be working out great. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, from those years of trying to make sure that we would get it so right in Utah and not being able to do it. And then, you know, luckily having like a really good team of people that uh, have, have done it before and have been around of have been around a lot of successful projects and and in that whole world of golf and golf development you know have been able to at least get this thing on the right track and um you know definitely looking forward to it it's the pictures don't do it justice you gotta come you gotta come see it that's insane because the pictures look (laughs) incredible but so take us you you find this land you know you get a tip you find this land What's the order of operations? How do you how do you buy it? Who's funding this? Are you selling memberships before? You know, or is it just through hats that you're buying the land? <laughs> how does uh, how does it all work? What's the order of operations? Yeah, so find the find the property on the internet, which is you know when people when people like ask me about you know they come out and see it or you know or trying to get involved like whatever it's like yeah so how'd you find the property in there? I think they're always looking for this this crazy story about how some old man on the corner told me about it. I literally found it on the internet, like, like literally looking for sandy soil properties for sale within like a 200 to 600 acre, you know, like range and found it on, I don't know. I don't know the exact website, but, um, called the people up, asked if we could come see it, got it, got it arranged to go look at it. And, Again, this is from somebody that has never, ever built a golf course. I had gone and, you know, scouted properties before and looked at, looked at places, but this was very, very different. You know, all the sites that we looked at in Utah, um, like very open, not a lot of trees, you know, you could see everything. And this place was, you know, covered in, covered in pines. Like, you know, there was, there was areas where you could see, you know, a couple hundred yards and you could see the topography when you were walking around and you could, you could definitely tell that it was cool, but it's not like you could just see 500 acres. Right. So just went out there, like I said, with a couple of buddies and definitely I've played a lot of cool places. I feel like I've been fortunate enough to see a lot of really good golf courses and when I was walking around, it, it was very much like, wow, you know, you could put a hole like this here and, you know, you could do something like this over here. So it was like adding up to where it was like, okay, I think we could build like a really cool place out here. So, you know, just rounded up a, a small group of friends, you know, to each, you know, pitch in a little money. And I kind of put in, um, you know, a bit, a bit myself, obviously, and ended up buying it on my birthday uh, in 2020. So it was a pretty cool birthday present. I was at the, I was at the TPC Boston, like playoff event. Um, and there was like this big clusterfuck with the wire, like being sent out and like the Wells Fargo people thought, like thought we were like running like a drug operation or something like, like, cause the, the account was named the tree farm. And I think they thought we were like, they flagged the account cause they thought we were like 
had this like illegal weed operation go like it was literally crazy and i had to drive like this is wednesday of the playoff event and there's no wells fargo's in boston and i had to drive to new haven connecticut to go do this wire and it it like they wouldn't do it it was like the weirdest thing ever and we had to like Luckily, there were some people in Charlotte that got us like in contact with some like pretty high ups in in uh, in the Wells Fargo uh, bank and were able to like pull it off. But it was to the point where if we didn't have like the money in the the day that it was supposed to be in, like they could have taken the earnest money and just like walked away from the deal because there were like other people looking to buy the property. Um, so it was it was the craziest thing, but it was a really cool birthday present, and uh, you know glad glad it worked out. And for people that aren't familiar, you've spent, you know, a big part of your adult life traveling the world, visiting other golf courses, learning about architecture, sketching in a book that I remember seeing in 2017 that was just hundreds of pages of golf holes and greens and shapes and all these things. This, your 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 knowledge on this is is extensive, yet, you know, you, you know great golf, you know great golf holes, you've seen a lot. Yet, you know, how does that translate to trying to put that together in the actual dirt or on a piece of paper and kind of talk us through how you end up, you know, were you planning to, to you know, design it all from scratch? How do you end up working with Tom Doak on the routing? And, uh, you know, I wonder who gets design credit for this thing as well. Yeah, so then now we enter like chapter two of like, you know, just the crazy story of how it all happened. So it, like short backstory we get the property, we close on the property. We hadn't bought it yet. We close on the property and I get this call like the, like the next day. Cause I had posted something about how we had closed on this property. And it's this guy named Jeff Warren, who's, you know, the, uh, the general manager, uh, you know, kind of runs the bridge up in, up in the Hamptons, the, the bridge golf club or, uh, whatever. And I've never met Jeff and he, you know, he says, you know, the property that you got, is it the property that's east of the Holly pond on, on this, this, and this, like some road. And I'm like, I have no idea, but here's my phone number. Give me a call like tomorrow. And so sure enough, he calls the next morning. He was like down in Australia at, at maybe at like barn Boogle or something like that, playing in this, this Renaissance cup with Tom Doak and all these people. And he was like, I was, I've been looking at that property for like the past like handful of years. You know, I was going to build a golf course on it with Brian Schneider and Tom Doak or something like that. And that, at that moment, moment, it was like, holy cow, like maybe this is a good property. Like mm -hmm. if somebody else was trying to build a golf course out here. So, uh, you know, that was a pretty crazy part of the story. So fast forward, you know, we closed the property and this was like a really awkward situation. Like, uh, a really weird detail that was unfortunate and it was, you know, too bad that it happened this way. So obviously Rob and Tad um, from King Collins were like, you know, the people that were going to do the project in Utah. So when we buy this property out in South Carolina, it was kind of this situation where it's like, are they going to, you know, are they going to be the ones that are doing it? I was really, I felt like really good friends with um, both of those guys. Uh, like, especially like me and Rob talked like every day about like the golf holes in Utah and what we were going to do and how cool it was going to be. And so it got to this point with the South Carolina property where we had to really figure out like if they were the perfect fit for that property, Rob and Tad had, had built Sweetens and they were kind of in the middle of building Landman, And, you know, so they didn't have like a, a huge 
track record of, of building a lot of golf courses. And some of the people that were involved in the project, you know, were kind of like, we, we need to at least explore this. So I had to, you know, make like probably one of the worst calls of my life to those guys, um, of like, Hey, like we're going to go a different direction with this project or at least explore some other options. And at that time we had nobody, you know, it wasn't like we had some deal lined up with anybody behind their back. It was just, we had to go explore and figure out what we were going to do because everyone, you know, basically minus me thought that they probably weren't the right people for that specific job. So then fast forward a little, you know, a hand, maybe like a month or two after that. And I was on my way down to play golf at a hoopie and Will Smith had set, uh, set it up where Kai Golby was going to pick me up from the Atlanta airport because he was going um, down to play with us. Kai picked me up from the airport. I had met him one time up at Oakland Hills. I went out there with Andy Johnson and David Margolis during the Quicken Loans or the Rocket Mortgage up in Detroit to go check out what they were doing on the, re- the you know the restoration up at Oakland Hills with Gil Hans. You know, had just briefly talked and he had you know he's kind of from that area and had had kind of heard about the project and you know was you know making small talk and you know good luck hope hopefully everything goes good. So that was the only time I had ever met Kai. So he picks me up from the airport and we have this like two or three hour drive down to a hoopie and. And, you know, I'm in the middle of this whole thing. So I'm just trying to pick his brain because he's been around so many great projects and he's worked for, you know, two of the best to ever do it uh, between Gil and Tom. And I could immediately tell like that this guy just got it. He had worked on so many of the great golf courses, had been to every golf course you could ever imagine, had seen all the classics, all the new stuff. You know, he kind of had the all the right things to say. And, and he was so gracious with kind of, you know, spending those two hours, just basically answering my questions of like, you know, how would you do this? And like, what's really important. And, you know, some of his stuff was like, you just got to create a cool, you know, environment and make sure people, you know, are able to have fun and enjoying the work. And, you know, so we got, uh, we got to Hoopy and I just remember like calling like Horner, like one of my friends and just being like, dude, I wonder if this guy would like, would help out like he's so awesome and and i'll never forget him saying something like why haven't you like done your own thing and he was just like honestly it's so cool working for guys like tom and gill like they get really cool projects and it's it's really fun like building great golf courses and and i don't really care about any of the accolades and any of like my name being on it like i just want to be involved in building like really great stuff and i was like that's awesome. Like, you know, he, he totally gets it. And, and that would be so cool if he would help out. So throughout the rest of that trip, you know, I, I kind of talked to him a little bit and he was like, I'll drive up there and come check it out with you. And later that week we went and checked it out and kind of over drinks at the end of that trip, he was kind of like, look, whatever help you need, I'd be happy to help find some guys and, um, you know, help you out. And it seems like a really cool project and I'd love to be involved. So that's how that started. And at that time, I was kind of doing the routing, you know, because I uh, didn't have really anybody else to do it. And um, I had had a routing kind of on paper that was, I felt like it was pretty good. And, you know, I had taken Kai through the routing and he was kind of like, yeah, this is like, like yeah, this could work. Like, you know, but you, you could tell like he was like, 
yeah, this kid has no clue what he's doing. Like we're definitely going to have to tweak this thing up. So while we were working on the routing and Kai was kind of given his two cents, he was kind of like, I think you should call Tom. Like he loves this stuff. And, you know, like he, he would surely like, like to help, you know, he's always interested and he's kind of winding down his career, um, not traveling quite as much. And this might be like a cool opportunity for him to, to help out at least like on the routing side of it. Cause there's nobody better like on earth at routing a golf course than Tom Doak. And I'd never met Tom and I had kind of had my, you know, thoughts on, on some of his work and, um, everything like that. And he had also chimed in on golf club Atlas about like what I was trying to do with TBC and everything like that. So it wasn't like, like this was, you know, a, a, like a perfect situation, right? It it wasn't like it was just some random person calling this guy. It was somebody that he was kind of like, yeah, this kid doesn't know what he's doing. Um, (laughs) you know, he's definitely going to need help. So I was kind of like nervous, um, you know, giving him a call, but I ended up calling him one day and just, you know, kind of laying it out there. Like, would this be something that you'd be interested in helping out with the routing? And he was like, yeah, definitely. I think, you know, I've been to the property and um, like from those Jeff Warren days back in the day. And, you know, I think it's a a pretty neat piece of property and has a lot of potential and it would be something that I'd be interested in and um, kind of asked him, you know, what, in what capacity he would want to be involved. And he was kind of threw it back to me. Like there's basically three options. It was like, I can look at your routing and kind of you know, break it down and tell you what I think and maybe guide you to, you know, some spots and, and help kind of buff it out and make it better. Or I could kind of like give you 10 or 15 holes on the property that I think are really good golf holes. And you can kind of piece it together after that, or I could like do the whole thing. And I was like, put it back on him like which you know which would you want to do like how how would you want to be involved and he was like well routing like golf courses is like one of my favorite things in the entire world like I I would love to just do the whole thing so I was like done like no brainer like if you can get you know the Michael Jordan of, of golf course routers to do that it's like obviously you're going to you know take that take that one and, uh, and look, it was kind of the same thing. Like you know, the underlying story here is all I ever wanted was to build like the best place, right? I didn't care if I was doing the routing, if I was designing holes, I just wanted the best like final product. So obviously Tom like was the answer there. It was like never a question. So, you know, worked with him for a couple of months on, you know, letting him, um, you know, do the whole thing. And we kind of went back and forth and I'll never forget. He was kind of like sending me the the initial routing, like in snippets, like over the holiday, like Christmas break one time. And it was so cool. Cause he would send me like little triangles of like, you know, five, six, seven, or like, here's, you know, one, two, three. And it was so cool to try and like piece together where I thought he was going to go. And occasionally I would get it right. And occasionally I would just be so far off. So it was so cool to like see the process and kind of pick his brain. Like, why did he want to go there? And, you know, what was the decision making, you know, for, for going this way? And uh, I felt like I could always find really cool holes. That was never my problem, but 
I would use good holes and get to the point where it was like, I, I, I would get stuck or have to make sacrifices and, you know, just kind of connect a few holes that weren't that great to get back to good stuff. And he was able to obviously like seamlessly connect 18 golf holes that were really, really good. So that was a really just crazy process to be involved in. And, you know, very thankful that he, he was uh, willing to come help out and be involved. Because if I, based on what I know from you, it feels like that's the perfect thing to help with. Like a thing, like all these things that, you know, you don't know yet on based on experience yet. A lot of the stuff you do know about what makes for fun golf shots, what makes for fun slopes, kickers, bunker shapes, you know, templates, things like that are all things that you can do internally uh, with a design that you can contribute on that have nothing really to do necessarily with the routing once the whole directions are kind of laid out. Is that kind of a fair uh, assessment of the balance of like what your skills are versus what his skills are? Yeah, yeah, definitely like on paper for sure. Uh, you know, the, the routing is like the first thing and it, it's a big thing and it's something you can't really fix. Right. Especially on a, on a property that you're in there, you know, on the tiger cat, like taking down hundred foot pine trees. Right. It's like, you can't go in and, you know, make some edits that that's like, Oh, never mind. We're going to go that way instead of this way. So it was very important to get it right because it's kind of the first thing out of the blocks that, that is very, very important. And all the things that I had sketched and thought I knew and the cool holes and the inspiration and trying to do this and trying to do that were basically like thrown out the window on day one, like when they actually started building golf. Like I remember like sketching something out for Kai, like, you know, like you saw, like you would see like Jack Nicholas, like with a, with a pen and paper and like drawing a green with like the little like slope dashes and stuff like that. I remember drawing something like that for Kai and he was like, yeah, dude, like we don't do that. Like we don't work <laughs> like we don't work like that. And I remember talking to Kai, like he was working on 13 and I was like, well, what if we did this on one? And he was like, yeah, man, like we'll figure that out when we get there. But like, let's just work on 13, you know? So there, there were so many things that, you know, you think, you know, or you think you can contribute, um, that, that, that they just do like so much different. Um, you, you know, even on the routing too, it's like, I would, I would use cool landforms, um, and, and work the topography. I felt like in a good way, but then it was always like, well, what are we going to do for the green? And Tom, I would say works like very much the opposite way where it's like, let's find 18, like let's find the green sites that are really, really cool and natural and, um, you know, are just kind of sitting there and kind of work your way the other way. So, um, it was, it was a lot to kind of like take in to basically think like everything you thought you knew was like completely <laughs> not really relevant, but, um, you know, I've, I've had my, you know, share of, you know, pitching in and having some cool ideas, uh, thankfully with the routing and some holes. So it's been, uh, it's been fun. What, uh, what sticks out to you hole wise or feature wise or anything that, you know, you know, I'm curious also, I don't know if it's the same question, if there's any design concepts or holes in particular that were maybe in the original buck club plans that are kind of being recreated on different land, uh, in South Carolina at the tree farm, or just anything in particular new that you guys have come up with that you're, uh, particularly uh, excited about. I'm thinking I'm comparing this to the mega redan that I, we have a picture of, uh, from, from the old buck club. Yeah. So, I mean, 
the the mega redan was pretty ridiculous and you know i, I think if we were ever ever able to build that it would have been just like really cool funny enough like when tom sent the routing like the final one and was doing kind of like the whole notes he was basically like it's like this running joke he he you know wrote me this thing was like 15 like whole 15 sets up perfectly for redan if you're into that sort of thing which he was like that's like serious like he like i don't i don't think it was a joke you know and it was like it's just so funny because it's like yeah like i i am into that sort of thing <laughs> um you know so i always i always like use that line but so yeah there's like you know like a punch bowl on 16 and a redan on 15 and kai definitely didn't want to get like too template driven and it was just funny that the Redan and the punch bowl kind of just worked out like back to back on 15, 16, but there's like, you know, little things like that kind of, you know, you know, thrown in and uh, you know, all throughout the course, there are similarities just in certain aspects and uh, that whole sort of thing, but it's a completely different property. Right. And it was like, like I was saying, like they very much fit the golf to the land that you're on instead of like trying to force something into that to build it. So that, that was kind of a, an adjustment for me for sure. But what, what sticks out on the property to me and what's intriguing is obviously Tom used the land like really good where the scale out there and the, the topography and the, the landforms, you know, there's these big ridges and valleys and he just used it in a really dramatic way, but not like a taxing way where you're kind of going up and down hills you still get the visual you know cues of like these big dramatic features but not necessarily like playing up and over them all day you're kind of traversing them so the routing is really cool it's it's big um and like like bold in a good way but also has like a very very good uh like a lot of connectivity, a lot of holes kind of connect and you see a lot of golf and you see a lot of different holes while you're on holes, which was very important to me because I think it's, it's such a social place and I wanted it to be a social club. And, you know, it's fun seeing people like hit cool shots. And it's also fun seeing people like screw up really bad when they're your friends, you know? So, uh, that, that's a, that's a really cool thing that, you know, if you've been out there, you've seen some of the pictures, it's just, there's some really cool vistas and really cool long views that uh, I think once they're done, you know, will be like pretty, pretty awesome. Well, I'm, I'm excited to see it. And, uh, if I'm, you know, so-and-so listening to this, it says, how do I end up playing the tree farm? Do I have to be a member to play there? What's the, uh, what's the membership structure look like? And is there going to be any availability for, uh, for the public to play it? Yeah. So we, you know, we just kind of crazy enough, like finished the, the membership, which is wild kind of like before we even opened, it's been, had a lot of support behind it and it's been cool. And, you know, it's when you bring people out there, you can really see it right now. So it's been, it's been kind of a really fun process the last year or so kind of meeting a bunch of people that, that really believe in the project and wanted to be involved in it. That's kind of where we're at with the membership, but the, you know, the, the plan is to kind of open it up, I think a bit during master's week and that kind of 10, 10 day period around the master's and then, you know, some other times throughout, throughout the year. And I felt like it was, it would be really cool to have these um, times throughout the season and throughout each year where you have these lottery type 
uh, things kind of like the old course or whatever and give people the ability to come play it and, and experience the place and uh, get to see it. So, you know, it, it's, it is like a, a member's club, but at the same time, I, I do think there will be ways to play it, whether it's kind of the, the sand hills slash Terra Edy model where you write the letter or, um, you know, that whole sort of thing. I mean, we're building it for people to see it, right? Like, you know, we don't want it to be this place that's completely closed off yet. We do want to make sure that, you know, there, there's people that have, you know, paid a pretty penny to be involved in the place and want to make sure that they, they kind of have the, um, the first look at it and the ability to come when they want, but, definitely want to give people the ability to, to, to come see it in the right way. Last one. We'll, we'll get you out of here. Um, very important question. Is, is the drone still up in that tree? Oh, you heard about that. Oh, we did oh, hear no. about it. Yeah. We had to drag it. <laughs> we had to drag it out of TC, but apparently, uh, was it, was the goal to keep that news from me? I think it was definitely like, let me break the news to Solly or like, you know, let me, let me break the news to everybody. No, you know, no one knows yet. That was, that was a tough scene. I, I saw him kind of, you know, going and get getting a little, you know, getting a little loose with the uh, with the flight pattern there, and and uh, crashed it left of two two green, and we were looking for it forever. And yes, it it still is in the tree. You know, we'll try and get it down one day, and it can be a nice trophy for the for the NLU boys when they come play a match up here. But uh, I think it's still in the tree for now. Does he get the tree named after him? I mean, yeah, if he wants that, that would, yeah, that'd be great. I think we can get a, get a plaque in there or something like that. It was, we spent like 30 minutes looking for the thing. And finally I was like, the camera was pointing down and I was like, let's just go stand under the trees and we'll find it. You know, it, it has to be somewhere around here. So finally we kind of used our heads and, and, and eventually found it, but it was hard because it was like, a, it was sunny and B, the trees are like really tall, right? So you're like, it, you're kind of like hurting your neck because you're looking like straight up. And it was the way it got stuck in that tree. I think I have a picture of it uh, was like pretty insane. Like, I don't know how it has not fallen down because there's like some pretty big windstorms, you know, rolling through that area and thunderstorms and everything like that. But yeah, she's uh, still stuck up there. Poor, poor TC. May it rest in peace. So, all well, right. He said that uh, he said that uh, if it crack, like if it falls down and breaks, you'd probably be able to like fix it instead of having to you know buy a new one. Or well, is that ship sailed? Probably. Once it rains on it, probably they're like, wait, well, was this thing stuck up there for like two months? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> so we'll see. We can try. Uh, uh, DJ is pretty good with the drones. So. <laughs> but uh we'll let you get out of here man this was great catching up uh i'm sorry yeah, that it's been so long i don't we don't chat as much as we we used to that doesn't make me any less excited for all you've got going on and uh still definitely following it from a, from afar so congrats on everything and can't wait to see the finished product and thanks for spending some time with us yeah of course thanks for having me on we'll uh we'll get out and play some golf soon love it let's do it cheers all right see you later be the right club be the right club today yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect a 